Welcome to the mystery room. I'm Abby. Oh, and I'm Shannon. Uh, We've started this episode a little bit later than usual tonight. Still not very well, but we are... On the alcohol tonight. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Shannon's on the gin. Because Abby's on the red wine and it's dirty. (laughs) It's the only wine we had in the house and due to the illnesses, couldn't really be bothered to go out and get another bottle. So I thought I may as well just have what's in the house, utilise. So I have Shiraz um, by Stoneberg. It's left over from Christmas. It is nice. It is very nice. Apparently it's perfect with barbecued ribs or a heavy vegetable stew. Well, I'm just drinking it, so I don't plan to put it with my food. And um, I'm on the gin. Cotswold gin. It's a Christmas limited edition one. I've got a few frozen raspberries in there and uh, ginger ale because I don't like tonic. Tonic is minging. Um, But did you know that people who like gin and tonic are more likely to have psychopathic tendencies? So me. Yeah. So um, I'm going to move out. I am scared (laughs) of you now. So for today's case. I do feel like you have to be a bit of a psycho to like tonic. I just think it's horrible. I don't know why everyone has it's such a big so dry. Tonic. No, it's not. I find it more refreshing, if anything. Oh, no. Like, I know that gin can be quite some gins can be quite sweet and I think tonic adds that bit of, you know, oomph to it. Like No, I like sweet things. Mm, I don't know. Then it makes it re- too sweet for me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I don't <laughs> Maybe I'll know. put a poll on Spotify. Who prefers gin and tonic or gin and lemonade? I'd love to see that. Yeah, same. Okay. Hopefully the lemonade rules. No. I, to be fair, I do speak to a lot of people who do prefer lemonade. So I prefer yeah. fruity gin as well than yeah. like just, just bog standard gin. Yeah. Because that just brings back really horrible memories from house parties and... Yeah. Okay, let's move on because... Anyway, yeah, um, to gross out the listeners. Now I'm mixing alcohol and milk. So <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um, so obviously you could probably hear I'm... Still not very well. I'm just a bit bunged up. Shannon is luckily on the mend. Good for you. Oh, I am so much better now. Yeah. I am annoying. I am back to my loud self. I've got my <laughs> voice back. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yes. So I'm glad one of us is. Actually, I'm not too bad. It's just all in my head. But anyway. So she's, she's milking it. She's getting out of the cooking. I'm going to carry on now I'm just gonna cut off Shannon there and crack on with the case on December 26 1996 at 5.52am Patsy Ramsey called 911 to report her daughter missing from their stately home on 15th street in Boulder Colorado after she found a two and a half page ransom note on the kitchen staircase demanding $118,000 at 1pm the same day her body was discovered by her father John, in the basement of the family home. Over 26 years later, no arrests have ever been made and the killer has gone undiscovered for nearly three decades. Her murder has become one of the most famous police investigations in America. So before we dive into today's case, let's talk about who John Bonet was. Named after her father, John Bennett Ramsey, and her mother, Patricia, who is also referred to as Patsy. John Bonet Ramsey was a six-year-old beauty queen. She was born on the 6th of August 1990 in Atlanta, Georgia. She had an older brother called Burke, who was nine at the time of her murder. 
She was an outgoing young girl who enjoyed being in the spotlight with bouncy blonde hair and her beautiful smile. She had already won several pageant titles by the age of six. She was doted on by her parents and John Bonet had everything she needed to live a comfortable life. In 1991, the family moved to Boulder, Colorado, where John Bennett became chief executive of a computer company and John Bonet attended High Peaks Elementary School. John Bonet won her first beauty pageant at the age of four, winning the Colorado State All-Star Pageant. Due to how young she was, there is not a lot of information out there about her. The early hours of December 26th, at around 5.52am, Patricia Ramsey made the call to 911 to report John Bonet missing. She had found a two and a half page long handwritten ransom note addressed to John Bennett, claiming that his daughter had been kidnapped by a group of individuals. This group demanded a ransom note of $118,000. We will include a snippet of the letter, but we won't read the whole thing because it is very long um but we will include a picture of the note on instagram so you can read the whole thing for yourself if you want so the letter said you withdraw one hundred eighteen thousand dollars from your account a hundred thousand dollars will be paid in a hundred dollar bills and the remaining eighteen thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on a delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money. And hence, an earlier delivery pickup of your daughter. Okay, so I think... I just want to further this on because I don't think I'm, uh, we mentioned this um, as we go on, but they don't receive a call between 8 and 10 a.m. So it, it kind of makes this whole thing a bit suspicious. Like if they were that desperate to get the money, they would have made that call between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. But they didn't. that's a lot of money to ask for. It is, but at the same time... I'm telling you, if I was holding someone ransom and I wanted that sort of money, I'd be making that call. Yeah, exactly. But also... If you were going to say, if you were going to ask for a lot of money, you would, I think you'd go a bit more than 118,000. Like, why not go 1 million? Yeah, true. Especially, like, if they know but she's, like, a, you know... Beauty. They're a very wealthy family. Yeah, like... Like, very wealthy. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, if they know the family and they know, like, they've seen a little girl pageants or something like that mm-hmm. then they probably think oh yeah they've got a lot of money yeah so let's yeah. take them for a lot more exactly why 118,000 they'll still be calling for that money <laughs> well exactly I know but I just think the amount just says a lot in itself like I don't I don't know I just think if you were going to ask for a lot of money you would ask for more than 118,000 because it's very precise as well 118,000. Yeah, like usually um, yeah. don't most people like round it up or down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 118,000. Yeah. And maybe we will get into... a down payment for something, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's exactly how much they're missing. Also, why ask for $100, like 100,000 in $100 bills and the remaining 18,000 in $20 bills? That is going to be a big hefty envelope. <laughs> just write me a check. Yeah, yeah. Or like... I don't know, it's just it's just weird. It's it, it's very weird. 
John Bennett pointed out that this was nearly the exact amount he had received from his Christmas bonus the year before. The only people to have known to have been in the house at night of the murder was Patsy, John Bennett and Burke. When Patsy made the call to 911, officers were at the house within three minutes. Once they arrived, they conducted a search of the house, but they didn't find any signs of forced entry. One of the officers, Rick French, went to the basement and came to a door with a wooden latch. He then paused for a moment and then just walked away without even opening it. Now, his explanation later on for this was that he was looking for an exit route the suspect may have taken, which the peg outside the door would have ruled out. With their daughter still missing, John arranged to pay the ransom. The odd thing about this was the family received no further instructions on what to do and no one ever attempted to claim the ransom money. Which kind of makes what we were talking about earlier, it just... Like, if that's the exact amount of money that he got in his Christmas bonus, like, someone must really know, like, the family. Yeah. However, at 1pm, a detective asked John Bennett Ramsey and Fleet White, who was a friend of the family, to search the house. They started their search in the basement of the home. When they both went down, John opened the latch door, which Detective French overlooked, and to his shock, he found John Bonet's lifeless body in one of the rooms. Her mouth was covered with duct tape, and nylon cord was found around her wrists and neck, and her torso was covered in a white blanket. John picked up his daughter's limp body and carried her upstairs. Okay, so this really annoys me, because... Why is he tampering with the crime scene? That's exactly what they go on to say. Like, he's literally just moved all the evidence mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Like, do people not... Re- I, I mean, like, this is quite an earlier case. Like, it's only in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Like, surely they know a lot more about DNA and crime scene examinations by then. Yeah. Like, this is a big no-no. I know, exactly. This is, like, my forensic science degree mm-hmm. coming out of me now. I know, I know. It really comes in handy when we're doing these... When doing oh, I know. It really, really annoys me how they're like, mm. and oh, I don't know, things like this. Like, most people know not to touch a crime scene. So, if you're just a lot of alarm bells are ringing. Yeah. The thing I can sort of sympathise with is obviously that's his daughter he's just found. And maybe in that moment, he didn't think that, oh, God, I'm, I'm tampering with a crime scene. Was but, there no, wait, was there no police there when they searched? Yes, yeah, so, but they were upstairs. Like, at this but this point. is the thing. So why was the family asked to search the house? Like, that should have yeah, been yes, yeah. police. Like, the house basically should have been cordoned off. Uh-huh. The family shouldn't even be in the house. They should be doing an extensive search off the property. They shouldn't go, excuse me, mate, can uh, you and your friend just help us with our search? Like, what is that? Yeah. That is shocking, I police then, work. But I thought of this. Maybe it's because they were waiting for a phone call from the people who demanded the ransom. So if they did call back on the phone, then they would an- the family would answer the phone. Like, they'd be there to answer the phone. But I'm sure they can set that sort of thing yeah, up anywhere. Probably, yeah. I'm sure they had mobile phones back in the 1990s. In 96? I don't know. In 96? Yeah, surely. Yeah, because... Remember those no. chunky... Yeah, like satellite phones. <laughs> But then another thing is, detective moved her body again. 
Yeah. Why? I, I, I don't know. This is... It's such... It's so I'm not going to lie to you. I honestly think if I walked into a room and I saw, like, a family member's dead body, I wouldn't be able to touch it. No. Like, I wouldn't be able to touch it. I wouldn't be able to pick it up. I wouldn't be able to move it. I'd be, like, on the floor crying. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I just wouldn't be able to touch it. I just think that'd be, like, too much. Hmm. I don't know. Everyone's different in these sort of sit, like situations, yeah, and it's I like mean, yeah. it's like one of them like flight or fight modes, isn't it? Really, everyone would act differently to seeing. Like, so yeah, if like I could sit there and go, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But mm. no one knows. So once her body had been found, an autopsy was carried out, and the autopsy showed that John Bonet was strangled and her skull fractured. Her official cause of death was strangulation by a garret. Now, I did not know what a garret was, so I did have to Google it. And it was a weapon that was used in medieval times. Um, it's It can be made with, like, a chain or rope. Uh, but after looking at a picture of it, it still really didn't make much sense to me. I was like, how, like, they used this to strangle someone. Have a look for yourself and see what you think. It's It looks like a very weird weapon. But anyway. Uh, can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, we've Googled what Garrett is. Yeah. And I don't understand, like, did the killer bring it with them? Or well, was it already in the house? I, I don't understand. It's very, it's a very odd thing in the 1990s to strangle it's someone like with something it. something from, like, basically being crucified. That's yeah, what it looks it, like. it was used as a torture weapon. But I'm just like, what, is someone just walking around with one of these? That's, I know. I feel like it's a very specific torture mm. and murder weapon i just feel like yeah so to our listeners, if you so do weird if you do google this it you'll 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 see exactly what we mean by this because it's just it's not something that someone usually strangles someone with i mean it's not really something someone should have in their house you know in their no, possession it's like i know surely no one just thought you know i'm gonna take this out of me today but if no, so, obviously, for this, it's like if there was an intruder, it's like they brought it with them in the attempt to kill someone. Like, you don't mm-hmm. just bring that to, you know, kidnap someone. No, yeah. Although there was no signs of rape, sexual abuse couldn't be ruled out. This was because no semen had been found, but there was evidence of vaginal injury. The pathologist has said that her vaginal region had been wiped with a cloth. The autopsy also revealed a fruit or vegetable material in John Bonet's stomach, which may have represented pineapple. In photos taken on the day of the discovery of her body, they showed a bowl of pineapple with a spoon in it on the kitchen table. However, neither of her parents remember putting this bowl on the table or John Bonet ever eating it. It was later reported that Burke's fingerprints were found on the bowl. However, the parents said that Burke always slept through the night. This leads to a theory which was going around that John Bonet had taken some pineapple that Burke was eating, which led to him losing his temper and killing John Bonet. So, leading on from that, let's talk a bit about John Bonet's brother, Burke. So, Burke, he was only nine at the time of John Bonet's murder. Not much is known about Burke at the time, other than the fact he was known to have a temper, and once he had hit his sister with a golf club. Two weeks after John Bonet was killed, Burke was interviewed. In this interview, Burke was very playful and showed no indication that he'd been through any trauma. When asked how things were at home, Burke says, and I quote, 
I'm basically just going on with my life. He was also asked how he thought she died, to which he did a physical demonstration on how he thinks she was killed by betraying someone stabbing or hitting John Bonet. This troubled investigators. Burke, six years ago, broke his silence since his interview after the death of his sister. He said that there was never any abuse from Patsy. Patsy? I've done it again. <laughs> Is there a P from life? I've done it again. Patsy or John, and they lived a very happy life together. Yeah. Um, so I just want to, first of all, start off by saying that the physical demonstration, if you, if you watched it together... Yeah, um, so I just want to first of all start off by saying that the physical demonstration, if you if you watched it, it kind of like weirded me out a little bit because it was if, like you said, like he hadn't been through any trauma, like he was he was playing guess who, like he was acting as if nothing had happened, like everything was fine, he was I, happy with his life. I honestly just think he is a bit on the crazy side mm-hmm. and basically if you look at a picture of him now he has got crazy eyes i'm sorry but i don't trust burke and you I, said you yeah. even said that he was a gin and tonic drinker <laughs> he looks like a gin and tonic drinker okay basically a psychopath and um I, I i don't trust him i'm sorry i just i honestly do not trust him and i have a great theory about him but we will get onto that later yeah no, I said like, like I said in the documentary. If you watch, I would really recommend this documentary. It is on YouTube. I had to find it. It's just the case of John Bonnet Ramsey, but it really goes into detail about. It doesn't really discuss the theory of an intruder breaking in, but more about the parents and Burke's involvement in her murder, and it's really interesting. And I would highly recommend it because it made me think. Wow, like there's probably more about this and what like what we see basically yeah, and yeah. like what, what i found on the internet and then watching that documentary it like blew my mind about wow like the parents or burke really could be more involved than what is let on yeah i reckon so as well yeah so following on from burke we'll now talk about john bernay's parents john bennett ramsey and patsy ramsey So, John Bennett Ramsey was born in 1943 in Lincoln, Nebraska. He graduated from Michigan State University with a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. He also then served in the Navy in 1966 as a civil engineer corps officer. Also in 1966, John Bennett married a woman named Lucinda Pash, who he had three children with, called Beth, Melinda and John Andrew. They then divorced in 1978, and sadly, his eldest daughter Beth died in a car crash at aged 22 in 1992. He then married Patsy in 1980, when she was just 23, with whom he had two children, Burke and John Bonnet. In 1989, John then formed three companies which merged to make a big computer services company called Access Graphics. In 1996, the year John Bonnet was murdered, this company grossed $1 billion and he was named Entrepreneur of the Year. So this kind of is why he's as wealthy as he is. Sadly, this was the year John Bonnet was murdered, so he was temporarily replaced so nobody would bother him with business matters. In 
Shortly after, the family relocated to Atlanta and the company was sold. Patsy Ramsey was born in 1956 in Parkersburg, West Virginia. She graduated from West Virginia University with a degree in journalism in 1978. However, Patsy was also a pageant queen herself, winning the Miss West Virginia beauty title in 1977. Sadly, not much is known about Patsy's early life, and 10 years after the murder of her daughter in 2006, Patsy passed away from ovarian cancer at the age of 49 is very young that is such a young age yeah so let's now dive into some of the forensics so on the day that she was found a forensic team was sent to the house as they initially believed that john bonnet was kidnapped her bedroom was treated as a crime scene and was cordoned off this was to prevent any evidence from being contaminated however this wasn't the case for the rest of the house friends family and victim advocates arrived to show support Frustratingly, visitors wiped down surfaces in the kitchen, possibly destroying any evidence. Also, once her body was carried from the basement upstairs, she was then moved again, again, contaminating evidence. Like I said earlier. And I feel like the police should know this. Yeah, exactly. I know this. Especially a detective. Yes. This is, honestly, this just infuriates me. Also, sorry, just to add in, the police that were initially sent out... um, to the from the 911 call they weren't experienced in anything like this even though there were officers that were on that day that had experience in things like this there were officers that had dealt with low-level crime that were being sent to this that how does that make any how sense how is this a low-level crime i mean it i like to think though like if it was me in a situation i'm pretty sure like nowadays if there's a crime, they tend to, like, not allow you into the house until they've done their extensive search. Yeah, yeah. Even... So it's like... And it's like... Even the police team and the forensics... Like, the police officers wouldn't be allowed in the house until the forensic team have been all suited and booted, kitted up, and gone in, done their search. Because, again... And then also, anyone in the house... So anyone who's been in there, like parents, friends, family, detectives, they all have to give DNA. They all have to give fingerprints. They all have to give like a little bit of samples, like hair samples, to then rule them out, basically. To say like, okay, we'll take these fingerprints, we'll take your fingerprints, and if they match, it's probably because, you know, you live here. So they'll basically say, okay, these fingerprints aren't part of the investigation. So even if they were in the house, they need to do all this to everyone that went into the house that day and mm. if they didn't do it then that's just poor police work in my opinion yeah i think there is quite maybe not throughout the whole investigation but to to start with like the initial police work in this was really bad like they like yeah, you said last week the first 24 hours it's crucial especially yeah. in a child kidnapping yeah. and i know they found the body like eight hours after the call was made but during those eight hours it just seems like like that police officer detective french what's it what yeah detective french. yeah he should have went through that door no matter yes. what not yes. like exactly. oh I you know intruder like no you'd still go through the door yeah. i know exactly so in 2003 there was a re-examination of evidence using new technology 
and they found an unidentified man's DNA on John Bonet's underwear. This excludes the DNA of the Ramses. Frustratingly, the DNA didn't match any profile that was in the database, which contained over 1.6 million DNA profiles. The ransom note, which was unusually long, was found on the kitchen staircase in the family home. It appeared to have very similar dialogue to the film's Ruthless People, Ransom, Escape from New York, Speed and Dirty Harry. The police thought the note was staged due to having no fingerprints on it other than Patsy's, which is really weird. Like, if it's a ransom note and it's got her fingerprints on it and it was sent, it should have other people's fingerprints on it. Exactly. It was written using a pen and paper from inside the house. Okay, I'm really sorry, but if you were stealing a child, if you were kidnapping a child, you would not have time to write a 2.5 page letter saying they want all this money. Yeah. Dover would write it beforehand. Like It would be like, you know, a big planned event. Yeah. They would just sit there going, and they would have to know, like, I don't have just pen and papers laying around in my house. Like, they would have to know where you keep your pen and paper. So I did uh, find that out. So I think the pen was underneath the phone and I can't remember where the pad was. But next to the phone. I feel like that's like, you know, them them sort of olden days would do. That's what I mean. They'd keep probably People would phone and take little like notes down, wouldn't they? But surely there would be like fingerprints everywhere from this, but unless they wore gloves obviously yeah if they wore gloves then either this person if she was kidnapped let's say and if she was murdered by someone else Mm -hmm. this person must be so bloody good at hiding any form of dna like he must be kitted up yeah or leaving any evidence yeah but he must be he must know what he's doing yeah experience this has to be yeah So the ransom note was then sent to a handwriting analysis which ruled out John Bennett and it ruled Patsy inconclusive. However, it was said it was highly unlikely to have been her. So there actually, there is a lot of information in this case and I've tried to, well, we've tried to shorten it for you. So we really only include the main details, but obviously if you did want to go and research more into this, like I said, I really do recommend the case of John Bonet Ramsey on YouTube. Um, so this is quite a shortened down version. But we're now moving on to the theories. These are theories which, not that we like, oh yeah, these are our theories. These are the theories that have been around basically since she's gone missing. So there were mainly two theories going around. One was the intruder theory, and the other was the family member theory. The family member theory was based off the fact that some of the evidence didn't match up with an intruder breaking in and committing this crime. For one, when officers arrived initially after that 911 call, they noticed that it snowed that day. However, there were no footprints outside until they arrived. But just thinking about that one fresh blanket of snow yeah that's what i mean like i thought that could it could the intruder have come and then it carried on snowing and then obviously like it would cover up the footprints i know yeah mm, that's hard to say i thought that um and also i couldn't find anywhere online about what time her death was so obviously the police uh yeah the police arrived three minutes after that 911 call 
how much would it have snowed in that time for there well, to be depends. no footprints? Because obviously, she di- apparently she died like overnight, didn't she? So they probably didn't wake up. So it depends when it all happened, really. Yeah. yeah. But if, if there was like a good few hours between it, then maybe, yeah, it probably yeah. It depends. Because it snows quite heavy, doesn't it, in America? So. Yeah, yeah. So that, that one's, one's hard. It's a bit. Yeah. yeah. There were also cobwebs on the window that were intact when crime scene investigators initially went to the house, so on the basement window. So if an intruder broke in this way, they would have had to completely avoid all those cobwebs when climbing in. I kind of... I kind of like that. I kind of like how they... They know that I like that. Yeah, that they looked into that. Like, that's a really detailed shit to be looking into. I wouldn't climb through the window if there was cobwebs there. That means there's a spider lurking around. No, and you wouldn't, would That you? would be a big no-no. <laughs> Another theory relates to the letter. So the intruder would have written the letter when they were in the house. In the documentary, uh, investigators reenacted writing this letter and it took them 21 and a half minutes, which is a long time for the intruder to be in the house just writing a letter let alone committing the actual crime and this depends if did he go did the intruder go into the house and like see john benet sleeping and then think well, you know i'll take her write a ransom note or had he already got her but then it's like you wouldn't write a ransom note if you'd already killed her yes and That's... i don't think you can tame a twi- like a six-year-old girl who's probably panicking, crying for her mum and dad for 21 and a half minutes mm-hmm. without her making a single noise. Exactly, yeah. So this doesn't make sense. No. Like, it either had to be he's staring at her asleep whilst he's writing it, mm-hmm. which is quite a long time. Yeah, yeah. And this would have ha- this thing, whole thing would have had to take place. Like, obviously, they were all asleep, apparently. How would it, how would he have managed to keep her so quiet that no one would have woken up? Yeah, for nearly 22 minutes. Yeah, well, longer than that, because obviously that's just writing the letter, let alone actually murdering like, her. I, I think if I was writing a ransom note, like, just on the spot, I wouldn't be able to do a full two-page letter in what? 21 minutes. Well, no, not even that, because that, that was them copying that letter, let alone thinking about what to that's write. That's what I mean. So he was so, probably in there for ages. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'd be rambling on. I honestly would be. I just wouldn't be able to sit there off the top of my head and think. That's what I mean. I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah, it really, really doesn't make sense. The parents also made themselves quite suspicious due to the fact that they weren't really cooperating with investigators uh, during the investigation when answering the questions. So during interviews, they would sort of, they wouldn't really answer the questions. Like they would sort of just play off the questions as I was watching it and there was one where the interviewer asked John Bennett if they think this is a kidnapping and in the interview you could see Patsy she was sort of like shaking her head no like but John goes yes like just straight away goes yes this is a kidnapping and then he sort of oversells the whole kidnapping thing and as soon as he answered yes Patsy then starts nodding so it's is really it's like they haven't got their story straight exactly yes and it's like how do you know it's a kidnapping like you don't know if it's a kidnapping because if it's a kidnapping she's still alive so they don't know if she's dead or alive so it might be someone's gone in the house was robbing the house 
um, John Bonet woke up. They've killed her. They've taken her body. So you don't know that it's a definite hundred percent kidnapping. Well, I think I don't know when this interview was. I think it was after the body was discovered, which was the same day. So Doesn't, eight hours. Okay. So I'm sorry, but if you killed her the way that the pathologist has said she's killed, that's not a kidnapping. There was no way they were planning on taking her ever out of that house. No. Yeah. So the second theory in this case is the intruder theory. The police followed leads for intruders due to the fact there was an unidentified bookmark left in the basement. Early persons of interest included Bill McReynolds, a neighbour of the family who played Santa Claus. What a job, sorry. (laughs) Chris Wolfe, a local reporter whose girlfriend reported him as a suspect. And then we had Linda Hoffman, the family housekeeper, and Michael Haugoth, a man who died in an apparent suicide after John Bonet's death. That one's a little bit suspicious, isn't it? Because they do say that, like, sometimes people who, like, you know, commit crimes like this do end up, like, killing themselves later on. Yeah, I mean, I do think if we're going with the intruder theory, he's probably the more likely suspect. On the night of John Bonet's was killed, there had been two windows that were left slightly open to allow for the electrical cords outside for the Christmas lights. A broken basement window and one unlocked door. Again, what is with these people leaving doors unlocked? <laughs> Every case, the door's unlocked. I the know, door's unlocked. I know. Why? This was in 1990s people, as well. And I mean... I start getting a little bit suspect right then. Yeah. Like back yeah. in the, maybe the 40s, I can understand people leaving their doors unlocked. Yeah, but in the, in the 90s... Like, you'd have a bit more common sense, people. Come on. Because there's a lot more crime in the 90s. Yeah. The theory was that someone had entered the Ramsey household through the broken basement window, which, again, could be questioned due to the inca- intact cobwebs, which I get. Like, there would be no cobwebs there. Yeah. And I'm sure if you, like... Yeah, fair enough, the window might be broken. How broken are we talking? Are we talking broken enough to fit a person through? Or would they still have to, like, mm-hmm. move the window? Surely that would make noise. Yeah, well, th- th- exactly. This is why this whole thing doesn't make sense, because someone in that house would have heard something. I mean, Burke, in, the in-, in this interview, said, I sleep really, d- really deeply, so I can't hear anything. He's nine? Yeah. yeah. He is nine years old. So, in 2006, a man named John Mark Carr, that's what he was known as at the time, was arrested in Bangkok in Thailand following a false confession to murdering John Bonet. He was a 41-year-old schoolteacher and he claimed to have drugged, sexually assaulted and accidentally killed John Bonet. They did not find any evidence linking him to this crime, but... Okay, so we are now moving on to what we think happened and our theories. Shannon? So, I did say this to Abby earlier. I personally think Burke killed his sister in a rage and his mum and dad covered it up because they didn't want to lose both of their children. I think that's a very plausible theory. I really um, do. Just because from, like, the interviews and stuff that he did, mm-hmm. and even now, like, I know you shouldn't judge people, but he looks 
like I don't know he doesn't look like a trustworthy person and I just think like you see it all the time like parents will go to prison for their kids because they want to protect them like Mm. any any parents want to protect their children so I can see maybe maybe a fight breaking out but then again the whole like Garrett way of her dying could a nine-year-old boy do that yes that's a very good point i am definitely on the side of someone in that house killed her yeah that i do not believe there was an intruder at all i don't i don't i i just think that it would have been if an intruder did enter the house it would have been too noisy for anyone not to hear but like you said at the same time like if it was like when they said about him losing his temper over John Monet eating pineapple. Okay, let's just drag my sister down to the basement, strangle her with a garret. I don't know. Like, I am, like you said, I'm definitely on someone in the family, definitely has something to do with it. But whether Burke, a nine year old boy who was angry over his sister eating pineapple, I don't I think really... that's a bit of an extreme. Like, unless he was really mentally ill. Yeah. I don't see it happening. And, mm-hmm. like, even now, like, now, today, it's not like he's ever been been arrested or no exactly yeah so it's like if he was that mentally ill something else would have happened yeah yeah you can't Um, just you can't just blame his temper you can't say oh we had a temper so he must have murdered so like that is one of my theories that it was him but Mm -hmm. the other theory is did one of the parents kill her Mm -hmm. because i have done a bit of research on this and the 2019 edition on the united nations website you know just throwing that one in there they said that the intimate parent or like family related homicides 64% of them are actually from a female and 36% of them are from like a male family member um wow I would have thought that would have been higher the male I don't know because they do say don't they that like you know like some some parents they get like um like postnatal depression and stuff like that and maybe did she, i don't know maybe is, did she have like did the mum actually have like some sort of mental illness and maybe she just snapped one day and maybe that's why in an interview she's like no 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 it's not a kidnapping because maybe she feels guilty about something that happened mm. i do think the weird thing about this case is the fact that nothing else has happened within the family since no no other family dramas like no other crimes committed they do usually say like usually like if your child dies at a young age or i feel like something like this would break family up it's hard though it's like it's hard i I just honestly do not believe that someone broke into the house no i sat there for about a good half hour 40 minutes writing a ransom letter no while she was either asleep or tied up Mm mm-hmm because you wouldn't write a ransom letter if she's already dead. You also and wouldn't write a le- ra- ransom letter in the house. You would do that before. Yeah. And you you would plan this. This would be like a yeah. premeditated thing. They'd like watch her. They would watch the family for weeks to see their routine. Yeah. Because every family has a routine. So they would watch the routine. They would make sure they would check when everyone goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Like this is this isn't just they stumbled across and thought, "Oh, you know, I'm going to go kidnap that kid." It would be so planned out. And also, I'm sorry, but you wouldn't do a ransom note if you take a garret to a kidnapping. 
I'm sorry, I don't believe it. I'm really it. intrigued as I, to whether honest... that garret was already there or not, because there's no... I can't find anything about that. Oh, I'm sorry, but if it was already there and it was families, arrest them now. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a red flag right there if they, if they own a garret. I don't understand, though, because obviously in the whole story, they said, like, in the basement, there was, like, a locked door with, like, rooms inside that locked door. What the hell was going on in their basement? I don't know. Like, I don't think it's unusual to have a lock on... Yeah, but... But then the weird thing is it's on the inside. It's not on the outside. That's what I mean. It's on the inside. I'm getting... Like, why like, do you need to lock it from the inside? Yeah, weird. There's just so many odd things about this case. I don't really know which theory to go with. I would def- I've definitely ruled out the intruder theory. I just think there's way too much evidence for something to... For it to have gone on inside the house rather than someone breaking in from the outside. So I definitely think it's someone from the inside of the house. I just don't know who. I do have to sort of like steer towards Burke mainly because I know he had a temper and the way he was just so happy and playful. Honestly, you need to watch this interview. And I feel like maybe if he was younger, I'd be like, oh, okay, he's just been a child. But I feel like at nine years old, no, yeah, nine if years someone old. said to you, your sister's been murdered or your sister's died you would you would be devastated unless you already knew it happened Mm -hmm. exactly and apparently when john Monet came along he was a bit like oh great now all the attention's on her especially like because obviously they patsy loved pageants and obviously she kind of pushed that i'm assuming she would push that onto her daughter Yeah, yeah and they probably spent like days on end and like weekends and maybe weekends away or weeks away doing these pageants and maybe he was a bit pushed to the side and his dad was probably always busy with work so that's another so thing I as well if like patsy loved doing all these things with john bonnet like entering her into pageants why would she feel the need to suddenly kill her daughter that's what i mean like unless she didn't do it she just was protecting the other's child because imagine one of your children getting mur- like dying and your other child potentially being locked up for life. Yes. Two children that they would have lost. Yeah. And I feel like the dad, like, he had this like multi-billion company. He obviously doesn't want anything like this getting out, would he? Yeah. So he would be like, we need to do a cover-up. I don't trust them. I really no, don't trust them. It's. I think, yeah it's very odd let us know what you guys think uh there will be a poll again this week yes i don't know if anyone saw it because we didn't actually mention it in our last podcast but we did put a poll on spotify asking who you think was the most likely suspect in last week's case so i think we're going to do that on like most of yeah because obviously it's interesting to know like what you guys think yeah exactly so in 2015 in an interview John Bennett Ramsey said that the death of John Bennett and the cost of the case and investigation had drained his finances. He also claimed that because of how famous the case was and still is, he has struggled to find work. After John Bennett's death, John met Beth Holloway, who is the mother of missing Natalie Holloway, which is another unsolved case. It is said that the two started dating. However, John claimed that the two were just friends who had respect and admiration for one another. He then relocated to Utah and met his third wife, Jan Russo, in 2011. They later married and relocated to Michigan. And obviously... This man moves around. (laughs) 
He does actually. He really does move a lot in this case. Um, obviously, Patsy passed away in two thousand and six from ovarian cancer, and Burke is just moving on with his life, as he said in his interview when he was nine years old. He's just getting on with his life. So yeah, that is really about it for today's case. Obviously, that is a shortened down story of it. There is more information out there, especially on the documentary on YouTube. There is also a documentary on Netflix called Casting John Binet, I think it's called. I didn't watch that because it was mainly to do with actors and what they think happened. Like I said, I would definitely recommend the documentary on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. We hope you enjoyed the I think it's Burke. The family's weird. And um, the dad's moving mad. (laughs) Moving mad. (laughs) He did move around a lot. I know this is is the third episode now where we've spoken about a a murdered child. And uh, next week is probably going to be the same. So um, I do apologise. I'm actually going to try and find a bit of a nicer case, I reckon. Yeah, why are we why are we constantly talking about children? Because I feel like a lot of child murders are unsolved. Yeah, like usually, and like, yeah, and like yeah. and like nowadays as well. There's so much evidence. There's so many like the government are watching you everywhere you go. Like there's CCTV everywhere. They can track your phones. Like it's very very hard to try and get away from murder nowadays. It is. Yeah. So I just feel like if you're going to try and do a murder. Don't bother, because they probably will catch you. And I just feel like serial killers just really aren't a thing anymore. <laughs> there we go for all you future serial killers out there. Shannon has spoken. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> or if you're going to do it, do one, move abroad, do another one, move abroad. I, I just don't know how you'd do it, because I just feel like... I'm kind of worried there would you're be giving s- advice to future serial I'm killers. I'm just saying, and- there's, there's just, it's just impossible. You would get, You will get caught. Yeah. But like you don't hear about serial killers anymore. Like, no, obviously, back no, in the day, true, you, you had don't. John Wayne Gacy, you had Ted Bundy. Yeah. You had all these serial killers. So, well, we hope you enjoyed and we hope you found this week's case very interesting. I know that we did. Yes. And hopefully, you come back next week for another case at the Mystery Room. Yes. Um, we are not only just on spotify anymore we are now on amazon music so you can listen to us on alexa oh my god yes i know i realized that that's so cool yeah um samson podcasts yes yes and you can find us now on facebook because there is a facebook page so come and join in and share your thoughts on there this and obviously we are still on the instagram yeah at the mystery room the pod yes uh if you sign up to our patreon as well you do get access to these episodes a day early so why wouldn't you sign up exactly. to hear our voices exactly i know we sound so we sound so beautiful at the moment with our ill ill voices i feel like we started this podcast at a completely wrong time i know because we well, are literally we i was ill pretty much lost my voice and now you're ill i know it's great it's great maybe people will enjoy it you know maybe they can relate if you're ill as well don't worry welcome to the club yeah but yeah we hope to see you next week with a case that doesn't involve children but have a lovely weekend and we will see you next week and i'm gonna drink wine next week oh yes i just feel like gin's a very summery drink and um it is yes we're not having red either we're we're gonna have something nice i'll probably say it tastes like petrol fluid but we're here for it Mm -hmm. 
We are. Oh, Prosecco, I think. Oh, maybe that could be a 10th episode thing. It's okay, like a celebration yeah. thing, you know? Oh, well, yeah, we are pushing the boat out Prosecco. I know, we are. Well. I feel like once we get 150 people on Patreon, I'll buy a bottle of champagne. Oh. Even if I get one person on Patreon, I'll buy a bottle of champagne. I'm holding you to that. I'll remind <laughs> you, don't worry. <laughs> okay, well, we shall see you next week. Bye. Bye.